I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, this is Heather and the Renaissance English History Podcast. And I'm actually adding something a bit new to this podcast feed. A few weeks ago, I was approached by an internet radio station in the UK who wanted to perhaps broadcast the Renaissance English History Podcast. And I said that that was wonderful, but I actually wanted to pitch them something else too, which was an hour-long show on Tudor music. And they agreed to that. So the Tudor Music Hour was born. So I actually, on the radio show, I can play the full pieces themselves uh, without any kind of worry about copyright license or about copyright because they have a radio license, of course. With my podcast, I can only play 30 second snippets. So what I'm going to start doing is putting out my radio show here on the podcast feed with the shortened pieces of music in between and then I have a Spotify playlist on my website. If you go to tutormusichour.com, there will be links to the show notes and the playlist for every episode. And the goal of this program is basically to look at the 16th century through the lens of music, which is one of my favorite things to do, right? So every week we're going to look at different aspects of the 16th century, different composers, different pieces of works, different themes, everything like that. If you're in the UK, you can actually listen to it live on Sunday mornings on Mad Wasp Radio, which is an internet station in the UK. So you can go to Mad Wasp Radio. I think it's on at 9am on Sunday mornings. And if you're not, you can just listen here and just have the quick 30 second snippets, but then go to tutormusichour.com for the full show notes and everything like that. Okay. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoy this. I'm going to continue posting it here rather than set up a different podcast for it because I think it's fun, you know. Just keep everything all together. And um, I think some of you might enjoy it. So there you go. Welcome to episode one of the Tudor Music Hour. <laughs> Pass time with good company. I love and shall until I die. Through true last but none deny. So God be pleased to sleep. Hello and welcome to the Tudor Music Hour. My name is Heather Tesco and I invite you to get comfortable and travel back in time with me 500 years to the 16th century. This was a time when the world was changing faster than most people could keep up with. It was a period of huge social and economic shifts, information suddenly available to be disseminated far and wide with little control thanks to the printing press. It was a century not completely dissimilar to our own, and we are going to look at this century 
through the music, which played such an important role at court, in everyday life, and in worship. I'm your host for this journey through time, Heather Tesco. I have been podcasting on Tudor England since 2009. You can learn more about me and my podcast at tudormusichour.com. That music that we played in the introduction, that was actually written by Henry VIII. And in this, our inaugural episode, I'm going to share some stories of the early musical life of Henry VIII, particularly through the Henry VIII songbook, which is in the British Library and contains pieces of music composed by Henry. After all, we might remember Henry as this corpulent tyrant, but it's important also to remember that there was another side to him. Before he became the aforementioned tyrant who had a hobby of chopping off people's heads, he was young, he was handsome, he was athletic, he was cultured, he was poetic and chivalric. He was also very, very musical. And in fact, that interest in music would stay with Henry throughout his life. Even as he dissolved monasteries left, right, and center, he kept funding for his own private chapel royal choir. He supported musicians with at least 60 on his staff, and he owned a huge collection of instruments, over 150 recorders alone. In the next hour, I hope you will join me in exploring some of the music by King Henry VIII, learning about the music at his court in a whole new way through the songs written by the king himself. For now, let's listen to the King's Singers with Pastime with Good Company, the complete piece by Henry VIII. Pastime with good company, I love and shall until I die. That was the King Singers with Pastime with Good Company by Henry VIII, essentially the biggest pop song of the 15 teens the Despacito, if you will, of 500 years ago. If you're just joining us, I'm Heather, and this is the Tudor Music Hour. We are talking about the musical life of Henry VIII with compositions by His Royal Majesty, looking at a side of Henry that sometimes gets lost, what with all of the tyrannical head chopping and whatnot. So now, all composers have dabbled in recycling some of their best tunes, and Henry himself is guilty of this in this next piece. Some saith, youth ruleth me. It starts off suspiciously, Viciously sounding like pastime with good company. Listen to it and see if you hear the similarities. I want to read out the lyrics for you first, though, and then I will play the tune. Though some saith that youth ruleth me, I trust in age to tarry. God and my right and my duty, from them I shall never vary. Though some saith that youth ruleth me, I pray you all that aged be, how well did ye your youth carry? I think some worse of each degree, therein a wager lay dare I. Though some saith that youth ruleth me, pastimes of youth sometimes among, none can say but necessary, I hurt no man, I do no wrong. I love true where I did marry. Though some saith that youth ruleth me, then soon discuss that hence we must. Pray we to God and Saint Mary, that all amend and hear an end. Thus saith the king, the eighth Harry, though some saith that youth ruleth me.
That was the group Sirenu with Henry VIII's Though Some Sayeth That Youth Ruleth Me. There's such a bit of irony there in the verses talking about how he loves true where he did marry and how he hurts no man when you think that within two decades of this piece being written, he had dissolved monasteries, divorced his wife, gotten very close to killing another wife, and killed dear friends like Thomas More. But this is the pre-tyrant Henry that we are looking at today. We're here on the Tudor Music Hour talking about Henry VIII and his compositions and his musical life in the first decade as king. Sir Peter Carew, gentleman of the Privy Chamber, said that the king was, quote, much delighted to sing, unquote. Edward Hall, a chronicler who wrote later, also tells us that Henry composed at least two masses in five parts, which were, quote, sung oftentimes in his chapel and afterwards in diverse other places, unquote. But even more than these mentions, we have Henry's compositions, which we've been listening to from the Henry VIII songbook in the British Library. It's comprised of 109 pieces of music. 33 of those are actually composed by the King Henry VIII. It was compiled around 1518. So these are songs from the early years of Henry's reign, which began in 1509. It's also possible that some of this music was composed when he was still a prince as part of his education. Of course, musical education was very important at this time period, especially for a prince to be chivalric and to be the, the perfect example of courtly love and a Renaissance man, of course. With his compositions, we have the obvious hunting and youthful interest mentioned, but he also shows a deeper side of life. Again, here's the group Cyrano with Oh My Heart by Henry VIII. He sounds like this chivalrous, lovesick knight here with a simple song for lute and romantic lyrics. Oh my heart, and oh my heart, it is so sore, since I must needs from my love depart, and know no cause wherefore. Here's Cyrano with Oh My Heart by Henry VIII. That was the group Cyrano singing Henry VIII's Oh My Heart on the Tudor Music Hour. I am Heather Tesco, and we are sharing a bit of musical time travel together. Thank you for going on this journey with me. I do so love your company here. We're delving into music today from the Henry VIII songbook in the British Library, compiled around 1518, with over 100 pieces of music, 33 of which were actually composed by Henry himself. Next up, I'd like to play for you Adieu, Madame again by His Royal Majesty Henry VIII and the group Alamire under the direction of David Skinner. Here are the lyrics to Adieu, Madame. It's sung first in French, showing off Henry's linguistic skills. I will not torture you by forcing you to listen to my French, which is not nearly as good as Henry's. But here is the English, which comes in the second verse. Adieu, Madame, and my mistress. Adieu, my solace and my joy. Adieu, until again I see you. Adieu, I say, overcome by sadness. 
Here's Alan Mary with this love song by Henry VIII. Adieu, madame. That was the Alamiri Consort under the direction of David Skinner with Adieu, Madame by Henry VIII. And you are traveling with me to the 16th century through song here on the Tudor Music Hour. I am Heather Tesco, and I am so glad that you are here with me exploring the music of Henry VIII. The Henry VIII songbook in the British Library was produced by compiling these popular pieces from court for someone who was close to the court, possibly Sir Henry Guilford. He was the controller of the household and master of the revels. I would love to have the title master of the revels, wouldn't you? That would be so much fun. So we can imagine him receiving this songbook as a very personal gift and a gesture, the way those of us who remember mixtapes perhaps would have created a special and personal gift like that. Next up, another piece by Henry, Where To Should I Express? I love these poems and these tunes by Henry because they really show what an intelligent and cultured prince and young king he was and how very attractive he would have been. This stereotypical knight in his armor who also composes these love songs. I mean, can I swoon even more, right? There have, of course, been so many theories of what happened to him that turned him into the bloody tyrant that has become the popular remembrance of him. But I do think it's important to keep in mind that Henry was once the shining prince of Christendom. And these poems and songs help us to get to know that Henry in a very intimate way. So in Where To Should I Express, we have another very typical love poem. He writes... Where to should I express my inward heaviness? No mirth can make me feign till that we meet again. Do way, dear heart, not sown. Let no thought you dismay. Though ye now part me fro, we shall meet when we may. Here's Cyrano again with Where to Should I Express by Henry VIII. That was the group Cyrano with Where To Should I Express by Henry VIII. If you're just joining us, you are listening to the Tudor Music Hour, and I am your thrilled host, thrilled because you are here with me spending this time journeying back in time with me. I'm so happy that you are here. So we are talking today about the music of Henry VIII in his first decade as king, looking and delving into some of the music from the Henry VIII songbook, which is in the British Library. 
So musicians played an important role at court. They didn't just provide entertainment to the monarchs and at banquets. They were also responsible for tutoring the children. Henry and his siblings all learned how to play at least one instrument. The privy purse expenses show that in 1502, Henry's mother, Elizabeth of York, she paid four pounds for a pair of clavichords. That was an early kind of a keyboard. And that was for herself. And her husband, Henry VII, Henry Tudor, he bought lutes for their daughters, Margaret and Mary, who also played the clavichord. So this was a very musical family. And that wasn't unusual. That was expected of noble children. But it was Henry who did show the most promise as a musician. And it was Henry who would remain passionate about music music his entire life. It was something that stayed with him. In fact, one of the things that he said he did not like about Anne of Cleves much later in his life, she was his fourth wife. He said he didn't like her because she wasn't very musical. In Germany, where Anne of Cleves came from, it was not seen as important for the nobility, for women to be able to play music. And that was something that she could not share with him. And it was one of the reasons that he gave for why he didn't want to stay married to her. So music was a passion for Henry his entire life. Now I'd like to shift gears and listen to some instrumental music by Henry. Two consort pieces, numbers 8 and 12 performed by Andrew Lawrence King. This is music by Henry VIII here on the Tudor Music Hour. Those were two consort pieces by Henry VIII, numbers 8 and 12, performed by Andrew Lawrence King here on the Tudor Music Hour. I am your host, Heather Tesco. I'm so happy that you are here with me on this journey back to the 16th century through songs. We're looking today at the music of Henry VIII before he became the tyrant who enjoyed chopping people's heads off. He enjoyed writing music, which is a much better pastime. Henry and Catherine of Aragon, his first wife, shared a love of music. One story that I really like is that they were fans of a friar named Dionysius Memo. He was a friar who had been the organist at St. Mark's in Venice. They were such fans of him that they brought him and his, quote, excellent instrument to England. It was ridiculously expensive to do this, but they were really, really hardcore fans. So they brought him and the organ along. Henry was so happy with him that he actually requested that the Pope release the friar from his order so that he could join the king's chapel royal. 
That was Henry's private worship area, his private choir for worship, the Chapel Royal. Their daughter, Mary, who was about two when the choir book that we're looking at the music from today was created, Henry's choir book in the British Library, was created around 1518. So Mary was about two then. She was also a fan of Memo, and her first recorded words around this time when she was about two were priest, priest. Music, music, which she kept crying over and over again until Henry commanded him to play. So I just love that story. It's this picture of kind of Henry as a father, Henry instilling this love of music in his daughter before everything completely fell apart about a decade later. Let's listen to another piece now by Henry, Though That Men Do Call It Dotage. He writes, Though that men do call it dotage, who loveth not wanteth courage. And whosoever may love get from Venus, sure he must it fet, or else from her, which is her heir, and she to him must seem most fair, with eye and mind do both agree, there is no boot, there must it be. The eye doth look and represent, but mind aformeth with full consent. Thus I am fixed without grudge, mine eye with heart doth me so judge. Love maintaineth all noble courage, who love disdaineth is all of the village. Such lovers, though they take pain, it were pity they should obtain. For oftentimes where they do sue, they hinder lovers that would be true. For whoso loveth should love but once, change whoso will, I will be none. So this is Hugh Wilson and Cyrano with Though That Men Do Call It Dotage by Henry VIII on the Tudor Music Hour. That was Hugh Wilson with Cyrano with Though That Men Do Call It Dotage by Henry VIII. You are with me, Heather Tesco, on the Tudor Music Hour, where we are exploring the 16th century through song. Specifically this week, the music composed by Henry VIII in the early part of his reign. We're doing this through looking at the music from the Henry VIII songbook at the British Library that has 33 pieces composed by Henry himself. A decade after this songbook was compiled, Henry began to plan leaving his first wife, Catherine Varagon, to marry Anne Boleyn. Anne was still abroad when Henry was composing this music in the songbook. She was actually at the court of Margaret of Austria. According to Anne's biographer, Eric Ives, Anne may have been taught by Henri Bredemers. He was the organist to the Archduchess. Bredemers was the music teacher to Charles V, the emperor, who was also Margaret's nephew, as well as his sisters. Now, one of those sisters, Eleanor, later became the Queen of France, and she was described as being 
an especially skilled musician. Wherever Anne Boleyn learned, she was described as, quote, knowing perfectly well how to sing and dance, to play the lute and other instruments. So as we know, that would have been incredibly attractive to Henry. Speaking of attraction, I'm now going to play another song by Henry, Lusty Youth Should Us Ensue. Henry asks in the second verse, how should youth himself best use, but all disdainers for to refuse? Youth has, as chief assurance, honest mirth with virtue's pastance. This is Cyrano again with Lusty Youth Should Us Ensue by Henry VIII. That was Lusty Youth Should Us Ensue by Henry VIII, performed by Cyrano. I am Heather Tesco, and you are listening to the Tudor Music Hour. And I am so happy that you are here with me on this trip back to 16th century England. One more song by Henry coming up, Green Groweth the Holly. This is sort of a Christmassy song. It sort of reminds me of the holly and the ivy. Holly has been a symbol of Christmas for centuries. The 16th century botanist William Turner, the father of English botany, believed that the word came from the word holy and called holly the holy tree. But as much as this poem and song gives us wintry images, it's still about love, which seems to have preoccupied Henry as he wrote his music. He writes, Green groweth the holly, so doth the ivy. Though winter blasts blow never so high, green groweth the holly. As the holly groweth green and never changeth hue, so I am, ever hath been, on to my lady true. Again, this is Cyrano with Green Groweth the Holly, music by Henry VIII. That was Cyrano with Green Groweth the Holly by Henry VIII. This is the Tudor Music Hour, and I am delighted that you are here with me today to explore the music of the 16th century, particularly the music composed by King Henry himself. The 15 teens, the time when much of this music would have been composed and compiled, was an exciting time for Henry. He was still deeply in love with his Spanish princess, Catherine of Aragon. He was stretching his wings after years of being kept on a very short leash by his father. Henry was never meant to be king. It was his brother Arthur who was groomed for the throne. Arthur was the one who married Catherine of Aragon to start with. But after just a few short months of marriage, Arthur got very sick, likely with a sweating sickness, and he died. Henry became the heir. But tragedy struck again when his mother, in an attempt to have another child as a spare heir, died in childbirth on her 37th birthday, less than a year after Arthur. Henry's father, Henry Tudor, lost his heir and his wife, who he had truly loved by all accounts, in less than a year. After that, our Henry was to be kept cooped up never far from his father. 
Consequently, after the older Henry Tudor died and young Henry became king, he was eager to stretch out and step into his role. This was a period where he had some early military success in France, partnering with his father-in-law in an alliance with Spain against France. There was a battle in Scotland, Flodden Field, which wound up killing most of the Scottish nobility along with the King of Scotland. Of course, in the end, the Spanish would double-cross Henry and come to peace with France on their own, and Scotland would be a constant thorn in his side. But for a few glittering and heady months there, the world seemed to be Henry's oyster. He was a young man in his early 20s. He was in love. He was fighting battles. Life was good. Let's listen to The Time of Youth again with Cyrano by Henry VIII. That was The Time of Youth, followed by Alas, What Shall I Do for Love by Henry VIII, performed by the group Cyrano on their album of the complete works of Henry VIII. We are going to listen to one more song by Henry from the Henry VIII songbook here on the Tudor Music Hour, If Love Now Reigned. If love now reigned as it hath been, and were rewarded as it hath sinned, noble men would then sure in search always whereby they might it reach. But envy reigneth with such disdain, and causeth lovers outwardly to refrain. If love now reigned, take a listen. That was If Love Now Reigned by Henry VIII on the Tudor Music Hour. We are wrapping up our hour together, and I'm going to see you out with some instrumental music by Henry. The first piece is Tandernaken, which is actually a tune that was Dutch, but became popular all throughout Europe in the late 15th and early 16th centuries, with settings by composers written for a hundred years. It was a very popular tune. This version is commonly attributed to Henry VIII, though there is some debate about it. It's in a style very different than his own, which I suspect you will recognize when you listen to it. 
but it is commonly attributed to him. And it's probable that those stylistic differences are just because he's working off of something that was already quite popular. After that, another consort piece, consort number 13. I do hope that you've enjoyed this trip back 500 years to 1518 and the music of Henry VIII in the Henry VIII songbook, which is in the British Library. This music to me is a time machine and an intimate way of getting to know the world of the people who lived through this age and to understanding them on a whole new level. I hope that you've learned something new and perhaps discovered an interest in a kind of music that you may not have known much about before. We will be back together weekly to explore Tudor England through the sounds and songs with themes ranging from the sacred to the profane. I am Heather Tesco, your host and producer. You can get links to the albums that I've played here, as well as learn more about me at TudorMusicHour.com. I also want to add that this show is dedicated to the magnificent Robert Aubrey Davis, the creator and host of the program Millennium of Music in the United States. It's the world's longest running early music program. I do believe he has inspired so many people to discover a whole new world of musical enjoyment. I am your biggest fan. Robert. I am Heather Tesco. You have been listening to the Tudor Music Hour and now more instrumental music by Henry VIII. Thank you so much for listening. 